and welcome to the Optional Podcast, episode number 196 for the week of February 23rd, 2020. The Optional Podcast is a show all about the latest in video games and entertainment recorded each week from New York City and bounce around cables and satellites all around the world. And right into your listening device of choice, as always, I'm Paul Tamayo, and unfortunately, my compadre, co-host Cam Brewster, is out enjoying life this weekend. I think he's like camping or something in the woods. It, it, all his IG stories are incredible. I'm extremely jealous. Uh, but... Uh, instead, I brought on our friend and Discord moderator extraordinaire, writer, just wonderful human being, Chase Carter. Thank you for being on the show this week. Oh, howdy, Paul. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, how dare he just go out into the woods and have a good time? Right? What a what a piece of shit. You what know, like, Roni. Yeah, for real. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Like, it's been a long time coming. I, I prefer to do this stuff in person, which is why it's like very rare that I have guests on the show. Um, but I'm I'm trying to make more of an effort now that we have a better mixer and I I learned about the wonders of Zencaster thanks to being on split screen that one time, um, you know because you're all the way in Texas right yeah yeah North Texas I'm uh, just north of Dallas which if you're from the area Texas has got a bunch of demographic stuff we're a big state um, but yeah North Texas around the DFW area nice yeah Texas is huge yeah, um, but um, yeah man I'm so glad to actually have you on the show we've heard your voice before uh, you've sent in a bunch of uh, audio questions because you're brave and you and you say things with your chest. Um, mm-hmm. You also are a wonderful Discord moderator. You always handing out roles for people in the Discord. Uh, people may know you as a syntactician, right? Yeah, that's it. It's a long holdover. I thought it was really cool whenever I was like in college, 21, 20, something like that. I was like, damn, what a good portmanteau. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm cooling on it as I get older, as you do a lot of other uh, sort of uh, nom de plumes uh, on the internet. But for right now, I'm I'm still sticking with it. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like it. You know, it, it's dope. It's, it could be worse. It could be like, you know, Reefer Man 420 or I Dude, don't know. No, no. Let me tell you, my first one that I had whenever I first got on the internet during like the MySpace uh, era, uh, it was a com- combination of my two favorite animes at the time, both Naruto and Full Metal Alchemist. I was Alchemical Ninja. Oh and my God. Dude, I had emails. I applied to college with the email, an AOL Oof. email address with that in it disrespectful bro <laughs> disrespectful son uh-huh. um yeah no i had i had just had one just as bad actually way back in the day i was obsessed uh as young uh you know corny ass uh boys tend to go uh, I, w- I was obsessed with like cars and racing and for whatever reason i always loved the the way the lexus is 300 looked mm-hmm. and one of my friends growing up eventually got one he procured one um not, not that didn't mean, I didn't mean to make that Dude, sound. Yeah. Uh, he totally got it by legal ways. Um, but mine was a combination of that and Metal Gear, and I was Metal Gear Lex, a playoff of Metal Gear Rex. Rex from, oh yeah. So yeah, I've been there, man. I've got had some pretty bad user handles and AOL AIM scream names and shit. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but beyond that, beyond your wonderful history of usernames, uh, tell the, tell the people a little bit about yourself and, and what you do and, and what circles you run in. Yeah, so uh, professionally, I am the audience engagement editor for um, the local Alt Weekly in Dallas called the Dallas Observer. We're the second largest in Dallas, but with the Dallas Morning News up top, it's a f- kind of a far second place. Um, yeah. At the flex on them. Listen, support your local news. We out there, right. we're trying to cover the uh, alt culture, all that local music and food and uh, art and shit like that. Um, so I run anything that has to do with like audience facing stuff. So all our social channels, all our newsletters. Um, I'm trying to like get people involved in contributing. We just launched this thing where it's like, Hey, do you not like the ads on our site? Uh, why don't you like 
get a subscription. So I'm doing a big ad campaign for that right now, which, so it's a, it's a little bit of mix of journalism and PR kind of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. but I really enjoy it. Like local news is, um, it's dude, it's out there. It's struggling, but, uh, we do what we can, uh, beyond that. When I have some time, I also freelance in games and entertainment journalism. Uh, you might have seen me on USG. I've had some, uh, stuff on us gamer. I've had some stuff on Fanbyte, um, the indie games website, which does like sort of like smaller games and stuff like that. A lot of good freelancers run through there. Um, so that's what I do whenever I have some time on the weekends and the evenings. Hell yeah, man. You're a hustler. I appreciate that. I respect it. I salute you as always. And also, you know, every once in a blue, we'll we'll play some Destiny or some shit and and chop it up. And it's always a good time. For real. Which is why I like you were the first person I thought of because I I was like, like, who should who should I have on the show? I'm like, Chase, Chase. It's just like he's right there, man. He's he's like, you know, just have him on the show. It's it's been a minute. It's been it's been far too long. The streets have been demanding this. So, um, yeah, man, thanks for thanks for carving out some time for us to uh, to chop it up here on the the podcast this week. Yeah, of course. Um, all right, cool. So let's just let's just jump right into it. Let's just jump right into what we've been playing as a motorcycle speeds past my building. I'm sure you can hear that. Um, uh, I can jump right into mine. Mine's mine has been pretty light this past week. I've also I've kind of been remembering a how to do my job because we're like coming off of a holiday on on a Monday is like super weird. And then Dude, I got I sick that. on. Oh, it's the worst. I got sick on Thursday, and I was like, how do I play games? So I spent all of Thursday jumping into No Man's Sky after having an existential crisis on Wednesday. So I won't bury the lead been playing a fuck ton of no man's sky after having vented in the discord and <laughs> you and, and several others being there to sort of support me and, and talk me talk me down because i was like man i don't know there's no man's sky i love that game so much um and i've been with it for so long i mean looking at my ps4 save obviously not as long as some other folks have been playing this game but i've been playing it for around 95 hours closing in on 100 like clean and um i love this game in so many ways but when i when i saw the trailer for the living ship uh dlc update where you can basically turn your ship into like a living creature and and it's really wild and, and super poopy cool. egg. yeah yeah like uh, you have an egg on your ship and it sort of eventually takes over your ship and becomes a living uh you know thing i was super excited to get into it and then when i jumped in i realized i there was a lot of stuff i hadn't done yet um just to like lay the groundwork down. So I, there was some main story missions I hadn't done yet. There was some uh, some basic things at the Nexus, the multiplayer hub that they introduced a while back. I hadn't really finished yet. So there was a lot for me to do and I couldn't just jump right into this new thing. Um, so once I kind of got over that hurdle of like, man, I don't know, like there's a time and place where that, that grind, that sort of MMO style grind, like, you know, we sort of every every once in a blue play with like destiny or whatever or um you know pick your poison division two you know maybe whoever's still out there playing anthem maybe waiting for the anthem 2.0 update right um even wow or final fantasy 14 like there comes a time and place where like i i hit that switch in my head flips and i go man i'm too old for this like i don't know if i want to keep doing this kind of stuff anymore and like in this game it, it, it in particular it broke my heart because no Man's Sky for me has primarily been like a solo journey. Like I, I primarily play that like just dolo by myself. And um, there are times where, you know, you can just jump into multiplayer stuff, but it, it's not completely, it can be, those two things can be detached from each other. It's not like in Division 2 where I was talking about this earlier in my stream this morning where I was like, man, in Division 2 or Destiny, sometimes you like there's like this obligation that you need to, be a certain level to do a certain thing or you don't want to be you know and and the games 
are trying to take a stance of like balancing those things out. But, you know, a lot of times that's the point of the game is to like make sure you carve out time with your friends to to, to do the grindy stuff and, and level up together and, and pull each other up. But I don't have the time for that consistently um, on like a weekly basis. So I tend to not as much as I say I try to not play those games, I always wind up playing those games because right, I have the yeah. wild of FOMO when they come out. But with No Man's Sky, it took me a day to get over it, plus getting sick. And um, I just spent like six hours straight doing like housework. Like I, I was like, built, you know, working on stuff on my ship, ex- uh, expanding my inventory space. I was selling stuff. I was buying stuff. And I finally got to a place this morning. It took me like a few days, but I finally got there. And I think the other part of that, for me, that part of that experience was like, man, I want to cover this and I want to like stream it on the site. But like, I just am constantly rotating through a through a revolving door of video games and I can't stay with one for too long. Um, but No Man's Sky, for the most part, has been that game. And I finally got to a place where I got the egg. I have like two eggs at this point. Um, and I'm starting to head down that quest and I've found the magic again. And I think once you streamline a couple of uh, once you upgrade certain tools and, and things on your, like your multi-tool, your ship, things become a lot easier. So you're not, that grind doesn't become so much of a hurdle anymore. So like if you upgrade your launch thrusters, for example, in No Man's Sky, they'll take up less fuel. So you're having to stop every once in a while and have to craft fuel so often. Also just knowing in advance, like today I'm going to carve out an hour and I'm just going to make so much fuel. <laughs> so that way it never becomes a problem again, or I'm going to carve out an hour to make or buy a ton of this resource that I don't have to spend time looking for and then refining and then combining. So all that to say, I'm jumping back into No Man's Sky. I just started the egg quest this morning, the living ship quest, whatever it's called. And I'm having a really good time with it. I'm, I'm like rediscovering why this game is so great and why I love it so much. And I don't know, It's it's been it's been such a roller coaster of emotions but i feel like i'm back home <laughs> i'm back on my ship um yeah it feels so good have, have you had any time to, to check this thing out yet yeah so uh i did the same thing kind of as very similar to you where i got back into no man's sky after not playing for a while uh because of the the life ship update uh i have jumped in maybe about a month ago um to check out some of like the quality of life stuff and i think a lot of those quality of life things are what helps you is what has helped you sort of jump back in because they they added like cargo stuff where things stack up to like 1000 or 2000 so you don't have to have your inventory isn't just filled with stacks of like the basic stuff that you need to craft like fuel or very basic construction items and or the chromatic metal that basically becomes like all of your uh, machinery that you need to do higher level things Mm -hmm. um but so i jumped in this week and i've also been doing the uh the weekend missions like they have weekend missions that you can do um that sort of like everybody has you pick it up in the uh, anomaly that multiplayer space and you can go out and they're they're normally meant for like two to four people they want you to like join up as a group just to make it easier and it sends everybody through a portal to this one planet uh and you do this one task and it takes uh maybe like 20 to 40 minutes depending on like how popular it is or uh what the certain things are and they vary and sometimes it's like discovery like you have to go down to the bottom of the ocean to this crashed freighter to discover a relic down there the one i did this weekend i don't know if you've done the weekend mission this week um, you go on this planet and there's a sentinel uh, invasion, which are like the main antagonistic force. It's like this robotic force of like space cops. Yeah. Space cops who do not like you picking up any shit on those planets. Um, 
but yeah, they had like the like a whole invasion force, and there was like twenty people, uh, about like forty or so sentinels, like the big ones, like the big ATAT walkers that are just like oh, slamming shoot. around everywhere. My my computer dragged like hell, man, because there was so much. Like there were laser shooting everywhere. It looked like it looked like a scene from a Star Wars movie where like everyone's clashing and killing and swiping and shooting. Uh, it was big. It was bad, um, but it was a lot of fun. And so like you go in there, you do this, you get enough materials to like activate this one thing, and then you get the hell out of there as quick as you can. Um, and you get some Quicksilver, which is like the thing that they've added in. That's the currency they add in so that you can buy cosmetic stuff. Like you can buy different faces so that you can change the way you look. You can buy jetpack yeah. things so you can have like a rainbow jetpack. Yeah. And most importantly, that's what you need to get the eggs. Um, you buy them with Quicksilver. I Oh, wait, did you get it a different way? So I don't know how I did it, but so I, I've, I've been doing the missions at the Nexus, like, uh, on the anomaly, like I've been doing yeah. them to just basically clear out the community research mission that's in your log. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't do any of those really cool weekend things where there were like 20 people. Maybe it's the limitation of the PS4 or something, but uh, I'm playing on a PS4 Pro, but I did do a bunch of those and I was like playing something, doing some missions with like three or four people. Like we, ha we have to kill a certain amount of like uh, monstrosities in a base that's been infested or you have to yeah. go kill or you have to like harvest things or explore you know, crash things. And those have been really fun to just play with randos, not even talking to them. It's kind of fun to just like, you know, I put down a refiner and then everyone uses it. Like everyone gets in line. Everyone's so cooperative. No one's being like a jerk. Like it's such an interesting experience to, to you know, outside of the, the few times I've, you know, hopped into random parties on like destiny or whatever there's just such a nice variety of things to do in this game mm -hmm. and um and it's always like set on these incredible looking if you can sort of forgive a lot of the shortcomings of like yeah it's not going to be the prettiest looking planet or the nicest textures or whatever but man when this game hits when the sunrise is catching you at the right time and the moon hits your eye like a fucking pizza pie bro it's oh it's, yeah <laughs> it's incredible man um so yeah, I've been I've been doing that, but I haven't done the com the community missions. But I did for whatever reason wind up with like two eggs in my inventory. So I, maybe I got them through the Nexus mission hub or whatever. But I just I was I was prepared to to grind to get the money for it. That's one thing I forgot to mention. And I just w randomly found it in my inventory. Like oh okay, so I have it. So then I just started to like clear other stuff off of my backlog. But I didn't know that's what I was going to do. But how long did it take you to like carve up enough I guess currency to to launch that stuff? I'm still carving because I had cleaned out my Quicksilver on cosmetic stuff the last time I played about a month ago, not thinking mm. I would need it for anything. So, but, and I haven't done this. I do have this option. I want to shout out the community because three different like anomalies that you go into, and it's like a multiplayer hub. So if you go to a different one, it puts you in with different players. So it's never the same sort of group of players that you're drawing from. But in each of these three instances, there was somebody there in the like like the all chat saying like hey if you need an egg come up here uh emote and greet me and pose for a photo and i'll give you an egg like they're just what? giving away these eggs yeah just giving them away to folks for just like the low low price of a little bit of engagement a little bit of community fun hold on i, I gotta shout out the community real quick had to drop a bottle on him. Hell yeah. Dude, No Man's Sky's got a great community. Um, so I thought about doing that, but I was like, no, my first one, I want to earn it. Like, I want to go through, I want to do this for myself. And I think that's a holdover from this game being such a solo experience, at least when I yeah. first started playing it, that like, I feel this need to do it myself. Um, especially since it's kind of like the new story mission for the game. It's, yeah, as much as No Man's Sky has had story missions, right? Um, but 
Yeah, so if you want to jump back in and you're like, I have no Quicksilver, and 3,200 takes a while because I think that's 250 for each mission. Um, So it takes a little bit of grinding. Absolutely do not feel any shame of going up there and getting one from the community people who just probably play this game, have probably a 400, 500 hours log, and are just (laughs) throwing eggs out left and right because they want people to have those ships. They're cool. They're cool as hell. Yeah, yeah. And I I think the the fact that this game even allows for that to take place is you know, really, really admirable and Absolutely. like commendable in so many ways. Cause like for me, one of the major pain points, like we were just talking about was like, Oh, I have to do this grind stuff. And I'm not really like, I should be more tapped into like, I'm in the discord. I, I follow the subreddit, but like, even then uh, it's always been really helpful whenever I have questions, I usually get a response within like minutes. Uh, people being like, Oh, here's where you need to go. Here's what you need to do. If you need help, let me know. You can DM me. Like the, the community itself is always extremely, extremely helpful. Mm. Um, but I think the problem I have is that I play on PS4 and maybe I just haven't found the right communities to like jump into. <sighs> yeah. But if there was ever a game that needed fucking cross save or cross play rather, or both, For um, it's no man's sky. And I hope that like, I know it's probably impossible at this point, but there's still like a little spark inside of me that that's still flickering. Like just please implement that in a, in a patch in the future. Cause that would just open up the game to so many people. And like, I don't know, I think it would do wonders for the community, but um, that aside, I've, I've been really um, enjoying this, uh, this experience. And I even got some people in, in the Twitch chat when I was streaming earlier being like, I, you know, I have a 50 hour save on, PC, but I'm wondering if I should start over again. And a part of me is like, yeah, if you want to start over, go for it. But I think there's a way to 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 trek, you know, to plot a course. If you have a 50 hour save, but you still have like you know a couple million in the bank, and you have all these resources, like there, there's still a way to to finesse that into another uh, another adventure. But I, I do think I haven't started it, you know, since basically since launch. So I've just continued that same save since then. So I don't even know what the onboarding process is like anymore, but I would be curious. Oh dude, it's so much better. Is it? Yeah. Do you remember when you started, like it starts you off on like a a hostile planet, you have nothing in your shields and you'd have to like run to shade so you don't get baked in the sun or the acid or whatever else is on that stupid planet. It's a lot better. I I remember a friend started and I watched them play on stream and it's, it's a lot more comprehensive. It does a better job of like signposting all these systems that you need to get involved with. So you can actually go and explore and document and trade and all that sort of stuff. It is a much cleaner experience. That's dope. That's actually good to hear because for me, that's, that's, I think part of the, it's like a double-edged sword in many ways. I think No Man's Sky is a wonderful example of a game that has so much that you can do. And uh, for a lot of people, that can be really overwhelming and it can be really like off-putting because you're like, I need the game to tell me where to go. I need yeah. the game to tell me what to do. And the game does a, does a good job of doing that once you sort of pick a path you want to walk down. But choosing that path can be difficult. But like I said today on stream, like for me, this game is less about... Uh, the loot or the um, the story and the story in some ways I think is fine. I think like there are, it, it raises some interesting questions. There are some really, really wacky sci-fi things in there that I think are, are okay. But mm-hmm. um, for me, this is my crochet game. This is the game I put on where I want to just keep my brain busy, but I want to like absorb something else. So I'll put this game on and I'll listen to like Waypoint Radio or I listen to, you know, um, whatever. I listen to podcasts in general, just catch up on my podcast. I listen to like Bodega Boys while I play this game and like laugh to, to you know, I'm crying. Oh yeah. But um it, it's so it's a really good game to just like pick one thing you want to do and just head down that path and feel no real obligation to like I said before, make sure you ha- your gear levels high enough or make mm. sure that you know you're you, unless you want to do the community events that's fine, but there's no like 
oh, the season's ending this week. I got to play so I can hopefully unlock the banner or the fucking helmet or the, the emote. It's like, no, like those things are there if you want them. They're optional. Shameless plug. But <laughs> for the most part, it's just like, nah, do do what you want to do. And for me, that's like, I get, I think the older I get, the more I value those kinds of experiences, like the Breath of the Wilds or like, you know, even some of the more checklisty Ubisoft games like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Like for me, it's just, hey, I just want to do things sort of solo and I don't want to feel the need to play that service game that wants to be so badly, that wants to be your part-time job so right. bad. Yeah. I just don't have the time for that. So No Man's Sky fits a nice, hits that like nice Goldilocks zone of like it's just right it lets me play things on my own time it lets me invite others to join in on the fun or i can help them um but for the most part i could just you know zone out in space listen to you know waypoint radio and just zone out mm-hmm. so oh, good I'm, I'm totally i'm right there with you man yeah yeah so I'm, i've been you know getting getting more into that and then in, in the meantime while things patch or install on ps4 i've been playing uh tetris effect every once in a blue like i'll just jump, jump back into that game and remind myself how wonderful and and pure of a video game product that thing is like how um why i respect mizuguchi so much and like why i've been falling back down that rabbit hole again and like i mean just rhythm games and stuff in general i know this week we have um uh what is it called oh my god space channel five yeah that comes out on psvr on tuesday which i'm super pumped about and we got you know we got codes for it so i'm gonna check that out in the office tomorrow um or today if you're listening on Monday, and then I'll probably have a video or maybe some sort of video on it on Tuesday, Wednesday. But uh, And then Coffee Talk here and there. I'm still trying to get through that game. I'm I'm still enjoying it. I, th- I still think it's a pretty chill time. I think um, it's not perfect. There are some things I was like, huh? Like when I was playing the game, there were some weird little like, uh, just like writing issues that I had with the game where I was like, oh, that's weird. But I still like it overall. I like the experience. I, I, I want to play more games like this. And I think if anything, it's a nice little like introduction to that style of game that I haven't played a lot of. I've only played a few sort of visual novel type things, but that one seems to be capitalizing on a lo-fi hip hop wave that I think more games should lean into. Cause that's a really chill space that I want to live in forever. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all that's been on my playlist, man. What about you? Oh, but real quick shout outs to uh lo-fi chill hip hop beats because it's back they're back oh it's back baby yes if you need it it's now there for you yo you could even put that on and play no man's sky and just have a good old time absolutely i would definitely recommend that yo for real um so yeah so what i've been playing uh speaking of like chores uh a game that is definitely just about doing chores on your phone uh is animal crossing pocket camp um yeah so i picked this up when it first came out and then after a while dropped it and haven't played it for like a year. And in the lead up to uh, New Horizons coming out, both me and my partner picked it back up on our phone because we had that itch and it was just like an unbearable need for some sort of Animal Crossing content. <laughs> and so we jumped back in and man, it is literally just like doing chores on your phone. Like you get, you go pick fruit off trees, you go fishing and collecting bugs, but it's also you can give it to villagers because they have requests and then they give you like, uh stuff in return that you use to craft furniture that's like steel or wool or wood or all that other stuff that you need to craft different furniture and you craft that furniture so that you can either invite more uh villagers to your campsite or so you can do these other uh sort of like 
furniture related quests and uh and, and activities it's literally just a feedback loop of like collecting things to give to people so that you can craft things so that you can collect more things but it's effective man is it mm. effective um so like it, it's stuff like refreshes on like a three hour uh loop so like every three hours you can jump back into the game and there will be like another round of villagers in the different zones that want to want different stuff from you um there are different like daily things that you can do uh so there's always a reason to jump back into the game and play and i don't think i would be doing this if my partner wasn't also playing so that we can just sit on the couch and we can just sort of like use this as a busy time while we're sitting on the couch and like after dinner and then we just talk about animal crossing we literally awesome. just sit there, play Pocket Camp, but talk about the stuff that we're looking forward to in New Horizons because, like, <sighs> they just had the direct on Monday, last Monday, <sighs> something like that. And, like, so we're just, like, we have this, like, feast before us, and it's almost ready to open up so we can go in there and grab a plate. So Pocket Camp is just a good reason to sort of scratch that itch just a little bit uh, before New Horizons comes out. Oh, my God. Thank you for reminding me because I'm actually going to put that in the news section now. I, I completely spaced on that, and I, I forgot it, too, because I was... I think I was home that day. That that was the day I actually conveniently enough got sick and I just uh-huh, stayed sure. home and watched yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> bug going around. <laughs> um, no, yeah, but that that that's a game that I remember playing when it launched because like it was hard to avoid the hype yeah. when it came out, and I enjoyed it for what it was. But like everybody kept telling me like, no, because I never played Animal Crossing, so they mm-hmm. were like, this is not it. This is like you know a different version. This is very much like a mobile gotcha game style template. But trust me, you'll you'll appreciate the. The, you know the real game quote-unquote real game when it comes out and um yeah I, i've become increasingly more excited for this game as time moves forward especially because like i just talked about i really value those cooldown games those sort of games that let me play on my own time there's no real pressure to keep up with the joneses i list i mean i'm sure that'll happen eventually to some degree but um yeah i feel like that there's also something really cool in that that style of a game where you can sort of share it with someone else. Um, even if you're like in the same room, like that, like I remember that reminds me of like when me and my partner used to play like um, uh, fire emblem together, but we were in the same room or we'd be traveling or something. And we'd just be talking about like our day to days, you know, just like doing again, crocheting together in the same room, but talking to each other about life and stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm super, super pumped. You're actually making me consider getting back into pocket camp in the meantime, just to like, get my mind ready for animal crossing on switch yeah it'll whet that appetite and like it's interesting like coming from like you who's never played an animal crossing game i think pocket camp definitely gives you like that aesthetic it gives you the palette of colors that new horizons are going to be playing with there's going to be coloring with um but like from everything that i've seen new horizons and i guess we could talk about this more when we get to the news section but new horizons looks like it's not going to do anything that pocket camp's doing which a lot of people were afraid of that it was going to be more of that sort of mobile version like cooldowns and premium currencies which pocket camp does have it's a mobile game that wants to make money so it does have premium currencies that you can use to to uh immediately finish like the building of certain pieces of furniture so like oh it's gonna take seven hours for me to build this couch but if you spend some money on this like they're called uh leaf tickets but if you Mm -hmm. use these leaf tickets which you can buy with real world money that couch can be finished right now so i don't think new horizons is going to have that sort of thing and if you can stomach those sort of microtransaction uh idiosyncrasies that come with any sort of mobile game pocket camp is definitely going to give you the flavor of an animal crossing game uh you know for the three weeks that we have left until it hits the switch yeah but it might as well be a year because it's like i'm counting down the the seconds bro like i I cannot wait dude paul we have we have a chalkboard where we are literally counting down the days (laughs) we erase it 26 days today we did it this morning (laughs) 
that's a good idea. I might actually introduce some sort of countdown timer into the Discord of like days until Last of Us, till Animal Crossing, till whatever PS Five or whatever. Um, or who knows, man? At this point, everything's getting shaken up by no, know, viruses real. and shit. So who knows? Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. What else you got, man? So last thing, and this is. I'm, I'm kind of reaching back a couple weeks, but uh, man, who knows when I'm going to be back on the show. So I got to get my hits in while I can. <laughs> um, I've been playing, I recently replayed the entire Mass Effect trilogy, one, two, and three wow. back to back. Yeah. Um, we're big Bioware fans in this house. And the Mass Effect trilogy is something I enjoy going back to because as I grow older, and I know a lot of games are like this, I appreciate different things every time I go back and play it. Because sure. uh, I'm in different I'm in different phases of my life. And so it's also really interesting to go back and play these games to see how they hold up as, say, like, especially with Anthem, the the, the real just troubled time that Anthem's had and the news that it might like they're going to like reboot it and do different stuff. Um, it's interesting to go back and see like what Bioware did during what some people call like their heyday at their height. And that Mass Effect trilogy, a lot of it still holds up. Um, for those of you who haven't played I, I don't. I'm, I can't imagine that you had. If you're into gaming, you have not escaped the talk around these games. Yeah. Um, yeah so it's like Bioware's like uh, party based. Um, and when I say party based, I mean like online. Like it, it's like a CRPG kind of thing, but in space, where it's like it definitely brought in a lot of that like first person shooter and especially cover based combat that was really popular at the times in the uh, the mid to late aughts. Um, but it is really based on like world building, this sort of like space adventure, uh, where you like build up a crew to take down some galactic threat. That's the basic DNA of all three of these games is there's a galactic threat, get together the best soldiers you can and fight that threat or die trying. Um, but a lot of it is focused on those character interactions and that's the content that I really appreciate, uh, coming back to and playing through again so I can get more nuances. Every time I play different characters end up being my favorite, uh, certain characters that I really enjoyed, uh, end up falling off the camp for me um especially in mass effect one and two there's this character ashley she's one of like the two humans that you can uh bring onto your team whenever i was playing through it the first time i thought the other human caden the guy was just like so boring and at a certain point in the game you choose between two of them to like stay on this suicide mission and they end up dying spoilers for this old ass game um but yeah and so i always chose caden because he's just a white bread boring dude um but then going back and playing through it this time, what I realized is that Ashley is a space racist. She comes from a military family, and boy, does she hate anybody who isn't human. She Damn. questions at every turn why these aliens are on your ship. Like, should we really trust them to have guns? All this sort of shit. And so when I got to that point in Mass Effect 1, I was just like, damn, Ashley. Uh, sorry <laughs> about it. Like, salute. Like, do your shit, but I'm leaving you here on this planet. Um yeah. So yeah, so uh, killed the space racist um, and brought White Bread Boy on my team. And he ends up being a little bit better as the writing goes on. Everything about these games do improve as they go on. Um, You can see some of the cracks in the technology as well as the writing and how that improved uh, as they continued through the series up until three. Um, Man, I don't want to relitigate everything because if you know video games, you know that ending to the Mass Effect trilogy is sort of a point of contention for a lot of people. Yeah, it's uh, controversial. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just say for my for my bit that I don't think any of the three endings really hold up. I think that that sort of like plot contrivance thing for the endings just that that's a hmm, that's a subject that's only going to get more sour with age because uh, it makes it seem more stupid that there was ever a uh, a sort of controversy about the ending of this game whenever the ending is maybe the least important part of it. 
Yeah, um, yeah, that's how it usually goes. I mean, I had this, I had that same thought when I played Oberdin recently, where I like, you know what, the ending wasn't important. It was definitely, you know, the friends we made along the way. It was like definitely the journey type shit. Yeah. Um, and honestly, what's interesting, you're, you're sort of bringing up some old, uh, embarrassing um, things for me, but I never actually got around to finishing uh, Mass Effect. I never played Mass Effect three. I played mm-hmm. one, two. I even read a couple of like extended universe novels at the time. Like there was one about one of your crewmates that I read uh, that I loved. And, um, but, but once three came out and everyone was complaining about the ending, I, I was at a different point in my time of my life at, you know, I was like in film school and I was, uh, I just didn't want to pour time into that. I was already so busy as it was. And mm. I, you know, I was, it, it was a whole different time in my life. I, I never got around to it, and, and therefore I never went back to it. But I have actually I have actually been thinking about going back and playing the whole trilogy over again, just to just to I don't know rediscover what I loved so much about it when I was younger, and also why so many people hold it in such high regard. And especially now that it's like pretty cheap and, and pretty easy to get, and I you know I have a PC, and I don't know I, I might play it on PC. Uh, it'd be cool if it was on Switch, honestly, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. You're making me want to consider maybe even jumping into Mass Effect again now too. Yeah, it, I I definitely recommend, especially if it's something uh, that you play when you were younger, uh, and especially because you haven't finished the trilogy. It would be really interesting to go back and see how your feelings changed. Uh, it's it's also it would be really great, um, and I really recommend this talking to somebody else who's played through it. It's again, this is something me and my partner do is we just play for a bit. We'll play two or three hours a night, and then just sort of talk about like what we remember, what's changed, what we really like. We'll bullshit and complain about like some of the characters we don't like or some of the choices. And I don't know, it's, it makes for a nice conversation piece to go back and revisit those memories and those feelings. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I'm, I'm down for that. that. That sounds actually like a, like a good time, but um, all right, cool. Uh, let's just jump right into the news for the week. Um, we could, we could probably just start off with the, the animal crossing new horizons direct, which yeah. um, was in, really, really cool. Cause I, I respect the fact that Nintendo uh, for those who don't know, Animal Crossing comes out on March 20th. It's a mm-hmm. uh, you know sequel to a largely beloved franchise or series of I guess how would you describe them like management or uh, not really city builder games, more like a simulation game if anything simulation? else, yeah. like a village yeah. simulation. You're basically just like a a person who lives in this small village of other animals, and you go about your life. You pay off a house debt. You upgrade. You you know, decorate your inner space and then just sort of do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you know, it's like simulated living. Uh, if, you know, if you had money and I don't know, <laughs> you constant, you weren't constantly held down by, by life in, in all its, all of its many ways. The dream um, of buying a house. Yo, for real. It's, it, I love that that joke's been going around and people have been really, you know, dissecting the politics of animal crossing, yeah. especially in regards to like Tom Nook and, you know, uh, I've been hearing people talk about it like it's a timeshare, like it's fire festival, like it's uh, a, b- a bunch of different things. And I cannot wait to just get into it. Cause again, like that's the hypocr- hypocritical part of me is like, I'm always like, eh, you know, maybe we should reconsider how we feel about certain ways we, certain things that we value in games, right? Like even No Man's right. Sky, like I'm, I'm fucking up the natural resources and the, and biomes of these planets just to be like, Ooh, I've upgraded my multi tool. <laughs> um, 
but anyway, Animal Crossing, they had a direct on Thursday. And um, they kind of, what I appreciate about these directs uh, is that they kind of give you a quick refresher. It's almost like a, you know, previously unlost moment where I'm like, what happened last season? And then it's like, oh, okay, now here's where I am. So it catches everybody up. Much yeah. of, I'm sure the annoyance of people who just want the new stuff. Um, and then they, so they talked a lot about, they introduced a lot of interesting things in terms of like things that I wasn't even really aware of. The fact that um, you can choose what hemisphere you want to be. That's want to cool, be yeah. in. So like, you know, my summer might not align with yours if you're, if you happen to be on a different hemisphere or the fact that they went over again, only one Island per switch. Um, the fact that there, there was a bunch of things that they introduced, even like the app stuff, which I'm not entirely sure how that works or how effective it'll be. Like, I don't know why I wouldn't just boot up discord or whatever. Um, I think Nintendo is still just trailing so far behind on that kind of stuff. It's, it's absurd. It's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, they, they introduced the fact that you can like with a shovel now you can sort of, uh, remove, uh, land and you can add land and you can really shape the land itself, not just, you know, your apartment or whatever, but you can customize furniture and clothing. And there's so many really cool things that they're adding into this game that it's, um, it's exciting. It's exciting to me. I, I'm like, again, as someone who's never really played the full-fledged games, I'm so pumped to just, I know it's going to take so many hours away from me and I'm okay with that. I cannot wait for that to happen. Um, but were there any standout moments for you from the direct or anything that you're like looking forward to beyond just the overall general excitement towards, towards this uh, game? Yeah, man. So what really struck me though, is that like uh, something that a lot of people who have talked about this sort of thing, and we have had years to talk about this in the sort of like just general, like people who are longtime fans of Animal Crossing is that with this game, we a lot of people were afraid they were going to tack on these sort of like extraneous systems that were going to change the way that everything works, uh, just like totally extra stuff. And it would really like draw you away from like that core sort of like loop that sort of like experience that you want out of animal crossing which is just like having things to do every day and then at the end of the day or at a certain point you just run out of stuff to do and the game is like yeah come back tomorrow and i really have always appreciated the bravery of animal crossing to be like that's it see you tomorrow you don't have to keep playing like you're done you can you can just sort of like chill with these creatures like your best friends in this village but if you want to just come back tomorrow. It'll be new shit. Um, and for New Horizons, it definitely seems like what they've done is just taken all the little things that you could do and just improve them. They haven't attacked on like real weird vestigial systems or like extra bits that you can do. The biggest one is going to be changing the landscape that sort of like you can build out land or like carve out rivers and stuff like that. That is interesting. And I really wonder how that's going to play out because like in past games, what you could do is just like you could undergo like civic projects which was interesting because you could change the village, but you had to get input and sort of help from all of the villagers. So it really felt like local civic planning sort of thing Mm. in this game that gives you that power in the hands of the player. It's a little bit more omnipotent in that respect. And so I'm a little worried that it's going to take away from that being part of a community feel that animal crossing has always done so well and make you feel like you are the now ruler seems a bit hard but like yeah you are the god of this world and everyone else just sort of lives by your whims and i hope they do a little bit to manage that but otherwise it just seems that they've just refined shined everything in this game down to like a super polish which nintendo does do well um so yes just so beyond that it just seems like everything that you remember from an animal crossing game is here and is done better yeah that's exciting to me because it feels like i mean i kept hearing about even with fire emblem i know there are fans of previous Fire Emblems that 
they love, you know, their their version of Fire Emblem that they probably got introduced to or the one mm-hmm. that they really poured way more time into than they did with Three Houses. But the thing I keep hearing from people who, who played all the Fire Emblems are like, yeah, you jumped into like a really good one because you could have jumped into one previously. Like even my my colleague, Heather Alexander, shout out to Heather, she told me like the other day, like, yeah, you you were lucky. You jumped into like a really good Fire Emblem. Like, you know, for, for better, you know, it, it certainly it's not perfect. It's not a perfect game, but um you know, like she was like, it could have been worse. She could have jumped into one that wasn't as good or as polished and it might have turned you off of the series. But right. it seems like all signs are pointing towards like, maybe this might be like a really good version of Animal Crossing because you're talking about ways in which the game, you know, adds things, but also maybe impacts what previous um, experiences you might have had with the series. But for me, I don't have any of that. So like, and, I, and I've been hearing about it too on other podcasts as well or reading about it that like, you know, part of the appeal for Animal Crossing is like, you know, I'm a part of a new community and I have to sort of work together with everyone. And this game seems to be a little bit of that, but more just like, I just want to fucking colonize an island. I just want to, yeah. you know, find a remote place and not have to worry about specific, um, I don't know, like filing the right permits or whatever. Like it, it sounds like a way more direct approach to how it handles a lot of that, but I wonder how much gets sacrificed in the process. And if maybe I wind up not getting that, um, I mean, it seems like it's probably not going to happen. I'm sure this game is going to shine and be great no matter what, but um, I am curious to like, a part of me wants to try to find, like I was even considering like, man, do I just like find an emulator or like a ROM? Do those exist? I'm sure they exist. Like, do I, should I try to find a, like a legit copy and, and get a GameCube and like, or maybe like you're doing, just maybe wet my beak a little bit with pocket camp. Um, I can always find my old 3ds too and, and dig that out and play the 3ds version. But I know that those, even those three games um, next to each other are wildly different experiences, but um, yeah, I'm excited regardless for this game. I, I'm, I'm going to get the stupid case. I'm going to, I'm contemplating getting the joy cons that they so sell those good. separately. Oh, oh man, so nice. So beautiful. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, yeah it, any, anything else on, on animal crossing before we move on? Yeah, I do just want to quickly shout out like the they've added black and brown skin tones and hair like hair yeah. types to this game, which is like I know one of the first things uh, I'm going to shout out to people. One of the first things I ever read from Austin Walker is him writing on paste about Animal Crossing in New Leaf. And it's a great piece. If you haven't read it, uh, you can probably just search like Animal Crossing Austin Walker and find it. He wrote about having to go to the island and tan himself hmm. uh, to get the his like something closer to his skin color. But that tan wears off. And so he would have to go back every week to keep like quote tanning himself to like keep his avatar looking more like what he wanted it to look for, look at, look like, uh, and sort of like what that tells you about like what's important for like player, uh, representation. Um, but so like, yeah, it is really great that they've added that in and something, I don't know if you've seen this. And so shout outs to Natalie Flores. Uh, she's now at Fanbyte uh, doing yeah. weekend stuff. She brought this to my attention that they are adding in like, um, indigenous species from latin america in games if you play it in like mexico or south america latin america they're going to be like butterfly species other insects and other creatures that you can catch that are uh, like endemic to that part of the world i don't know if that's true for elsewhere but it's at least confirmed for like mexico and latin america what yo so if that logic applies can i get like dirty pizza rats and can i get <laughs> giant water bugs can i get pigeons like dirty ass pigeons just in my big old fat pigeons yeah maybe i don't know man yeah you gotta hope is there like oil constantly under one part of the the island like there is in greenpoint can i get i don't know can i fish old 
Jordan ones from the East River. Can I make an East River? Anyway, uh, that sounds really cool. That's really, really dope. And I, I think that's also, I remember there was a tweet going viral about like, look at this character's fade. Like people were like really excited about the hairstyles too. Like they're paying way more attention and, you know, actually implementing that feedback into this time, into this game. And it's like, yeah, man, most games should be doing that at this point. Like there should be way more right. of an effort to do that because, you know, it's, it's like, it makes sense. It just makes sense on a practical level. Like you want more people to play your game. Put more, you know, get more diverse looking uh, people in there. And that's that's really cool. The fact that there's like regional exclusive stuff it makes me want to like. So wait, so do you have to start a game on, in that region or can, can I like visit if I go to Ecuador? Am I going to find like like Galapagos tortoises? Man, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Island? Like, I don't know if you ever came down to Texas. Your island would just be overrun with fire ants like immediately. <laughs> uh, and they so... kill off all the other natural species and now it's just fucking fire ants. Oh, uh, fire. That's fire. Yeah, it. so I don't know, but it's there. I, I guess we'll have to read to find out more. But yeah, so it's at least something that they're trying to do. Like, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, for real, for real. All right, cool, cool. So um, our next story, CD Projekt Red tweeted out uh, earlier in the week that um, they, they tweeted out the accumulated revenue from sales of The Witcher 3 on Steam uh, platform for the period of time between October 1st, 2018 and today has exceeded 50 million US dollars. And as a result, we are now getting 80% on any subsequent sale of The Witcher 3 on Steam. Thank you. For, thank you all for your support. I thought this was kind of cool considering like, I know I'm like, you know, The Witcher 3 hater and and, and that's fine. But I, <laughs> but I still think it's like really interesting that there are way more folks getting into it now, especially on the heels of the Netflix series. And um, uh, I don't, you know, I don't love CD Projekt Red uh, like wholeheartedly. I, I don't have that sort of, I don't know that relationship or that 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 time spent with their products before, and yeah, don't I, stand I, companies. Yeah, don't stand companies as a general rule, but mm-hmm. um, it's still interesting that this game continues to have such a long tail, and um, you know who knows what that might spell for for future installments if there are any in the pipeline. But um, I don't know. I, I thought it was an interesting thing to bring up because I was like, wow, a game that I like didn't love, but I, I, you know, I can still respect that folks out there really, really enjoy it and really appreciate it and got things from it that I just, you know, I would rather find in other ways. Um, I might even play this game on story mode, to be honest with you. Like I might just get through the the rough parts that I don't enjoy. And I hear, I know it gets better. I know like eventually things get streamlined and you get accustomed to the the controls, but um I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting thing to point out for the week. Uh, yeah, I, I would even recommend like you finding like a let's play on YouTube or somewhere where it's just mm. like the story cutscenes. Like, listen, we all are, we're getting older. Time is finite. You, if you want to experience that story, you go and just like find someone who's done it for you and hit those big story beats. That's totally Hell cool. Yeah. That's actually a good ass idea, Chase. Right. I might actually do that. Uh, if, especially if I can. So every, everybody, let me know if you have any uh, let's play Witcher three suggestions because I would like someone who's uh Preferably not problematic. Someone you know, charismatic and and cool and chill. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. That that's actually a good idea. I never really actually considered that. Um, all right, cool. Our next story: Sony just canceled its PAX East twenty twenty attendance because of the coronavirus, according yeah. to what they've been saying. Which is such an interesting thing to unravel because it raises so many questions and and honestly some concerns. But they provided uh, an update on the PlayStation blog actually about their uh, attendance or la- lack thereof for PAX. And they said, today, Sony Interactive uh, Entertainment made the decision to cancel its participation at PAX East in Boston this year due to increasing concerns related to uh, the coronavirus, basically. Um, we felt this was the safest option as the situation is changing daily. We are disappointed to cancel our participation in this event, but the health and safety of our global workforce is our highest concern. So 
I'm taking this also, by the way, from WCCF Tech. Um, I'm curious about this because, like I said, you know, when I first started talking about this, um, first of all, there was a lot of things that they were planning to show off, specifically like some more Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. remake stuff, maybe even some cool Dream stuff. Um, Last because of Last of Us Two, of course, how could I forget? It's like right, right down the pipeline. Um, I'm curious as to like, is there a legitimate concern over this stuff? And if there is, shouldn't is should there be more of a widespread um, concern, or, or or should there be steps being taken place? Or like, I don't know. Like, are they using this as an excuse? You know what I mean? Like, is this an actual thing, a, a real thing? And and I mean, we're learning the way it's impacting production cycles and stuff. But I'm I'm curious to get your your thoughts on. PlayStation just being like, uh, nah, we don't want to go because of coronavirus. Right, yeah. And they're only the, the first one. Like uh, Square Enix pulled out any of the Final Fantasy fourteen stuff they had going on at PAX East as well. Uh, right. A couple of events. They're going to have like a live stream and they're going to have some like people. So whoever was there like in Boston to do stuff, but anyone who was going to come over. So they canceled like a fan event, a couple of panels, as well as like a showcase of like what was coming next for Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, yeah. Um, Listen, I'm not a medical professional, and anything I say here is not to like try to minimize whatever whatever's going over in uh, China um, and all that sort of stuff. I know that like shit there, it continues to be very bad. But uh, at least here in America, I know I think that this was based off of one confirmed case in Boston, um, and it's hard for me not to look at this and also compare it to the sort of like a lack of coverage comparatively that the flu gets in America every year, even though like. So many people are killed by just like whatever strain of influenza is ravaging the world at that time. And we never get this sort of like novel coverage. And I think everybody would behoove themselves to think about what is below that surface whenever something, a um, a virus outbreak specifically from China, Mm -hmm. uh, starts making all these sensational news headlines. And yet the flu, which kills uh, systematically more people, uh, statistically more people every year, doesn't get those same headlines. What does that tell you? Yeah. What is that trying to say? Yeah, I would also, you know, encourage folks to before you, you know, like and retweet or share a specific joke or a, a certain kind of perspective that might, you know, uh, just kind of be drafting on the on the <laughs> yeah. the behind the 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 stuff that you're talking about, this sort of widespread concern and, and news reporting and stuff. Like, yeah, this is actually like a real thing, but also like just consider what. Um, some of these folks who are perpetu- you know perpetuating really stupid jokes or stereotypes and like what i don't know there there can be a, a specific slant to this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and um i don't know it to me it feels like a lot of the stuff i see online that's like poking fun and making jokes is, is not really that funny and it can really be uh off-putting to me and and uh offensive but um yeah i don't know man that that's actually a really good point that you bring up about flu and shit or, or you know countless other things and um the ways in which you know, we tend to focus or or put all of our attention onto a specific thing and and that's what makes me i'm not gonna lie a little like my spidey senses go off a little bit when i when i read about this but I, th- maybe there are some genuine concerns and they would rather just maybe you know wait or whatever but i also kind of question um, no i feel i, I feel you man um, you know i mean yeah, and like I think that there are a lot of like good faith takes out there from people who are like really seriously questioning like what does it mean whenever Sony pulls out of this event for because of the uh, novel coronavirus COVID nineteen, um, which is, means that they're probably going to get coverage in 
like outlets outside of the enthusiast press saying that like a big company has pulled out of like a convention event that is you again like we said don't stay in companies you know that there was probably these conversations held internally they're like what is like the advertisement like balance like we're still going to get coverage for pulling out and we don't have to show up uh right. you know a lot of these sort of like the the real like sort of like dirty pragmatism that goes on in business yeah yeah and and like that's always where my spidey senses go off and right. it makes me wonder too about the future of E3, which was already hanging in the balance, like what does that mean for? Because it, it doesn't seem like this kind of stuff isn't it's, it's not going away anytime soon. Like we, we're still hearing, like we're still even also hearing the the, the horrible stories about that that cruise, yeah, and like um, you know how many people on that cruise have even passed away because of it as a result. And like, yeah, it's it's weird, man. It's it's a weird weird time for for and like I don't know the one that. that that really brings your attention to the ways in which, you know, like where things come from, where, where, uh, where we decide to put our attention and it's, it's a weird time. And it very much feels like it's very on brand for fucking 2020, man. Like at this point in time, everything feels cyberpunk as fuck. And you're like, what is real? What is, what's going on? I'm confused. Um, but yeah, speaking of which, uh, our final (laughs) story for the week Bethesda finally, uh, Bethesda rather, follows Activision in pulling games from NVIDIA's GeForce Now, taking this from The Verge. But yeah, it seems like there's the, there's continues to be more licensing disputes and weird, you know, behind closed doors uh, friction happening, specifically with NVIDIA's GeForce Now uh, cloud gaming service and just certain game publishers. So we heard about, we talked about last week also, Activision pulling uh, titles off of... Um, off of GeForce Now, which is their streaming service, basically trying to compete with the the likes of Google Stadia and um, xCloud. I keep forgetting that one, what it's called, but uh, it's a horrible name. But um, yeah, we found, with the exception of, I believe, one of the Wolfenstein games, I think the, the latest one. Blood, yeah. Um, the, yeah, they're, they're pulling all their games and it seems like, it just, just seems like a licensing dispute. And so it makes me wonder too, like... Um, was this uh was this a conscious move i mean i i, t- I try not to like really consider like what are these corporations thinking like what what are their like intentions or whatever um but there is uh, i don't know there there's a sense of like at least it's a reminder that these companies are really struggling to figure out how to navigate this new uncharted territory of streaming and licensing and and you know all this money stuff that we don't take into account when we, when we think about like oh wow nvidia came out with a with a streaming service and it's so convenient it ta- it's lets me sign into steam and whatever other whatever other things i have and, and play games um i'm just curious to to get your your take on this yeah uh and at, like i've been reading into this especially since you brought it up uh for the show like um and i think yeah, so like Nick Stat wrote the one from The Verge who wrote this, and he uh, links to another article who's by Sean Hollister, also at The Verge, talking about that um, the the Activision Blizzard like pulling their games out and how like this whole thing should be a win 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 for everybody involved. Like you get to play your games wherever you want to. Uh, the Nvidia cloud service like basically just like has you not rent out the games, but just the hardware to play those games. And you still have to buy the games from the publishers themselves. They still get the money for buying that game. And it's hard not to look at this as like a, a kind of like synonymous to like what's going on for like TV subscription services um, and how everyone's sort of like 
like really sort of like fracturing that up and wanting to get a bigger piece of the pie, holding these sort of like IPs hostage, like saying like, yeah. oh, now you want to play Bethesda games? Well, you can, but we want to argue and we want to like sort of like uh, battle with these like uh, service providers for a little bit more money, a better deal before we uh, give you access to our games. And so it's hard not to read this as just like, oh, these cloud services, it's not just Google Stadia now, which everyone sort of like panned uh, almost immediately. Um, but like other people are doing it well and it's getting some positive press. Maybe we can make some money on this. Let's pull our licenses until like we can figure out how much we can actually make. Yeah, it, it definitely reminds me of like hearing news that, oh, HBO got access or the rights to Studio Ghibli movies. And you're like, what? Why would I like, that's weird. Like I've wanted to stream that for a while now, but I don't know, maybe I'll consider a subscription to that to, to have access to that library or like, you know, we saw that with Disney Plus and all of these services. Like it just, it just for me to put on my, you know, tinfoil dad hat again, just makes me really um, nervous and, you know, a little scared about the future of where these things can go because like, are we headed towards a future where like, you know, we have Ubisoft launchers, we have EA Origin and we have all these other things on PC. Like, mm-hmm. is that eventually going to make its way to other platforms? And is it going to become a universal thing where like, you know, we already have that with EA Access or whatever it's called. And like, you pay a subscription and you have access to these games and, but you still have to download them or whatever. But like, are we going to live in a world where like, oh man, I I, I forgot to pay or I forgot to cancel my subscription for fucking Rockstar streaming, Rockstar Plus. And I got to like, I don't know. That's my like horrible Nostradamus prediction, but uh, GeForce now kind of felt like it was too good to be true. It, it kind of still does in some ways. Um, but cause you know, like again, these corporations, they want to, they want to have the, they want to make the most, uh, return and, and they, they want to have the rights to these things and make them the most, I mean, we just talked about that tweet from CD project red being like, now ah, we make 80% off of these fucking sales and like, mm-hmm. woohoo, like we're going to be richer now. Like maybe we can even stop our workers from crunching all the time. Um, so I don't know. It's like a, it's a thing that raises a lot of red flags for me. But um, it's weird, man. It's a weird cyberpunk time we live in. Right. Like, are we going to see a future where like Bethesda holds out the Skyrim franchise or Skyrim, the Elder Scrolls franchise? Um, uh, it, like, it's like sort of like a dangling carrot to like Google Cloud uh, or excuse me, Google Stadia, X Cloud, or uh, uh, the Nvidia one, and saying like, okay, like Nvidia just paid nineteen million dollars to secure the rights to the uh, Elder Scrolls franchise, the way that Netflix paid. I think somewhere around like dozens of million dollars to have the streaming rights to friends just because yeah. that's a star that they can put on their lapel for why you should keep your Netflix subscription. It's it. I think that if like something radical doesn't change or if like something doesn't shake up that market, that's absolutely the way it's going to go. They're just going to look at like subscription TV as a model and bring that all over to games. Uh, that, see, this is what scares me now. It's like, I mean, there's always going to be the spaces like the itch.ios and there's mm-hmm. going to be like the the places where like the indie films basically get circuited or like, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use, the, right. the mixtapes being sold out of trunks. I know that's that's a very Texas uh, reference right there. But like, you know, the the ways in which the, the creators are going to make stuff regardless, they're going to they're going to get things out there. But like in terms of like mainstream media stuff, like are we going to see, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's scary because then it makes you think too, like, you see Google Stadia acquiring all these studios and a part of my, you know, my optimistic brain wants to think like, this is cool. Cause then like now they can just sort of focus on one platform if they choose to like with Stadia 
for example, and like harness the power of that service, like the the networked machines and all this other thing they were touting at that GDC presentation, which I'm still waiting for. Like even playing No Man's Sky, I'm like, fuck, not going to lie. If they, if they announced the No Man's Sky Stadia version that like didn't have the wild pop in or there wasn't like it didn't yeah. chug when there was 20 people fighting Sentinels. Yeah, for real. Um, like what's that? What does that look like? But also how does that impact the way they then consider how they monetize these things? Does that mean that needs to become a part-time job service game? Like I'm, I'm just going to start calling them part-time job games. Cause like in order to make that and, and make that a worthwhile investment, you gotta, you have to sort of put levers and buttons and pulleys everywhere for people to just continue to give you their money. Right. So like, I don't know, it, it it's weird. We, we have a weird, that's what makes me also extremely curious about what Nintendo decides to do. Cause they, they just got a win. They just had a really good at bat with the switch and they're going to coast for like another couple of years, probably like while the console, other, other console manufacturers duke it out for this console generation, which in a lot of ways starts, starts to sort of feel like the end of those, that formula or that template. Um, because I don't know, it seems to be going that way. Um, but who knows, right? Like, will Nintendo be able to keep up? Will, will like Nvidia, for example, maybe consider? I don't know. Like we we've, we've seen Google and Nintendo come together and and kiss and and make a game. You know what yeah. I mean? Like make up. Uh, just again, man, weird transition period for 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 games and and tech as a whole of like streaming and and service subscriptions and um, I don't know. It's just like. Very, very strange time, or but interesting uh, time to be alive in. And um, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll yeah. see how things check out. It's bananas when the least cyberpunk thing in our current, like, present or, like, near future is cyberpunk the game. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah. 100%. Yeah, and, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I want to play that game. I'm really excited for that game. But also, we're kind of already there. Like, yeah. we're not that far off, like. Who knows? Speaking of, that. like, I think Cyberpunk's going to be on uh, GeForce now. I think that that one, that is one license that they still have. So, like, you'll be able to play it on there for now. We'll see how that goes since they seem to be dropping licenses every day. But, yeah. Yeah, that's wild. They, they might have just said it, like, without even signing their name on the dotted line. Like, it's like, when you're like, yeah, man, I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm good for it, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, you know me. I'm, I'm good for it. GeForce, um, I want you to be good for it, man. I want, I want to trust you. Yo, for real, same. You're like kind of the people's champion at the moment, but I guess we'll see how these uh, companies treat you. Um, all right, cool. Before we move on to the second half of the show, I'm actually going to take a quick little break because I'm going to get some uh, some water or something and uh, just take a quick little five-minute break, but uh, we'll be right back. All right, and we are back. So uh, jumping into questions, if you have any questions for us, please feel free to send an email directly to us at questions at d-optional.com, or you can drop them into our Discord questions channel. Or if you're brave enough, you cowards, uh, record us a voice message using the Anchor app. <laughs> you, can, you can download the Anchor app, just Google Anchor app, download it, or just find it in your on your phone. And you can literally just go to our profile, hit a button, and send us voice messages it's it's wild it's it's my favorite thing i love it so much so if you can please do it you have a smartphone just do it i've done it it's so easy come on cowards isn't it easy it's, it's so super easy um all right cool so our first question comes from snow ocelot in the discord 
and they ask what video game characters are crushing it on the dating scene. Mm. I'll let you answer first. All right. So uh, something that's fairly new uh, we can all, I think we've both played three houses. So Byleth teacher from three houses. So to be clear, post time skip Byleth, we're not going to have any teacher dating their students bullshit in here. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But afterwards, like everyone's horny for Byleth, whether you're a guy (laughs) or a girl, they all want to jump them teacher bones. (laughs) And they just have their pick of it. And especially with like the new characters from like the, uh, the underhouse, the murder house, whatever it is. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, listen, they're also hot and they're hot for teacher. Like everybody wants to get in on that. You know what? That's actually a good, that's a good pick right there. I, I didn't even, I like completely forgot about that. My, my first, the, the first person that popped into my head and I don't know if they're crushing it, but they should be crushing it on the dating scene. And by crushing it, I mean like, it depends on what your definition of crushing it means. True. For me, crushing it is like, you know, they're a catch. That's my version of it. I don't know. Mm. If, I was think. I also thinking like maybe it could it could mean like maybe they just want a good time. You know, maybe they're doing that consensually with other people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, for sure. Do your own thing. I'm not going to hate on you. But for me, my version of crushing it for this character, uh, for Kiryu from Yakuza from the Yakuza series. Yes. He is a good he's a good boy you know he's had a troubled past he can he has some anger management issues he's got to work out you know he throws motorcycles at people but mm-hmm. look that's sometimes it's it's justified you know what i'm saying like if someone comes at you the wrong way or they try to you know f- first of all don't throw motorcycles at people it's almost impossible but if you could do it don't do it but uh he's also like he's so sweet inside. He's like such a, he's, you know, he's there for you when you need him. He's a shoulder to cry on. He'll, he'll listen to you. And then, you know, he'll throw a motorcycle at a motherfucker. Cause if, you know, if they come at you the wrong way, sometimes you just need a motorcycle thrown at you. So that's my, uh, that's who I would pick. I think it's a good pick, man. He's the muscle guy with a heart of gold. He will sit there for three hours and get you, uh, get you what you want out of that claw machine. Oh my God. And also just be like, look, my son, he just got robbed of his video game. I got you, bro. I'm gonna I'm gonna chase these these thugs down. I'm gonna uh-huh. fight them in an alley, or I'm gonna talk to this hostess club, uh, this hostess at the hostess club, and I'm just gonna tell her like, look, man, you are amazing. You're incredible, and just like bigger up, supporter. Like that's amazing, man. Yeah. He's a, he's such a good dude. I love that guy. Uh, no ulterior motives. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just just a good guy. Um, yeah, I can't think of anybody else, but that would be my number one pick. Uh, second pick for me, uh, Bayonetta. Oh my God. And this is like my, this was the first thing I thought of whenever it's like crushing it. And I mean that she is like, she's swiping left on hundreds of people a day, but <laughs> she keeps getting those like hits. Yep. Uh, she just has her pick of the litter every single day. And uh, just like that uh, Megan Thee Stallion thing that just came out today, uh, different oh. week, different boyfriend or different oh week, different girlfriend God. every single week. She has a line, the Megan Stallion in that freestyle, she has a line where she says like, I could never, she's basically like it, I forget what the exact bar is, but she's like, I could never be with someone that I'm harder than. And that's Bayonetta in a nutshell. It's like, like, how could you imagine? Like, first of all, you know, you got to be damn near. You got to be key to you if you want to try to like even try to kick it to Bayonetta. But like, my God, if there was ever someone just she's probably on Bumble, just like not even get not even getting DMs. She's she'll reach out to you. You know what I'm saying? Like she'll call you. Uh, that's what Bayonet is doing on on uh, on dating apps nowadays. It's, 100%. it's well, it's it, that's a that's an incredible pick. I'm, I don't even want to. I can't even top that, bro. I, <laughs> we have to move on. Um, all right, Mo asks in the Discord, Hollywood is adapting. Oh, actually, he took a tweet 
from someone. So this is their, the question was, Hollywood is adapting another video game to film and you're in charge. Pick a video game series and pair it with the director and or cast a lead for a new blockbuster video game turned movie. Oh my God. That's a good one. Um, So we're going to fan cast a whole video game series. Um, And so... I think, and this is only just because I got, I just finished watching uh, a Let's Play. Shout outs to Chip and Ironicus on uh, YouTube. Their uh, Let's Play of Metal Gear Solid 5, Phantom Pain. Just finished that up. Uh, I would love to see a Metal Gear Solid uh, movie directed by the Coen brothers. Holy shit. Because they can do that sort of like violence, that like startling violence, but also just like slapstick, goofy comedy within like the same two scenes, like back to back scenes. And I think that that really justifies or that really kind of like clarifies the entire like Metal Gear Solid. Like it is absolutely like a game about war, uh, like forever war and nukes and shit. But it's also a game about going into a locker to jerk off with a nude magazine to uh, <laughs> restore your health. So I think the Coen brothers could hit both of those highs. <laughs> God damn. I, you come with the fire answers this week, man. Yeah. For me, I'm, that would, first of all, I would pay an embarrassingly large number of money to, <laughs> to just watch that in the theater. I'm talking about midnight screening. I'm there day one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think more movies should do is like when I heard about the Safdie brothers potentially being like linked to a, um, what am I thinking about? Pee Wee Herman movie? Yes. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me, bro? I would watch the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. We need more like outside the box thinking when it comes to these, you know, very precious franchises. Um, all that being said, I'm not entirely sure who I would cast. I hadn't really gotten that far into the, the thought process here. But um, like I mentioned, that this is a little hint at what my feeling is this week. But uh, I saw Sonic on Saturday and at the very beginning of it, um, you know, love it or hate it, the, uh, it has like that Marvel style logo intro animation for like yeah. Sega, and it, it's it shows you all of the games that they like, you know, they put out. And the one I just immediately snapped to again was the face of my beautiful boy uh, Kazuma Kiryu, and I was like, man, I want a Yakuza movie so bad, but I want a Yakuza movie that's like animated, that is like basically into the Spider-Verse style animated, like, so really over the top, like, you know, um, leaning into the video game things that it does well, but also like stuff that would be really hard to, to film practically. And I'd probably more expensive. I'm sure there's a way that where there's a will, there's a way, but it would need to be like, it would need to be, uh, a straight up, like, like Japanese production. It would need to be like a Japanese director, actors, obviously like setting everything just so it doesn't, I don't want like the, the Western version that takes place in, you know, New York or, or whatever I want or something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I want Yakuza Yakuza. I don't want like some, some weird interpretation of Yakuza, but yeah, I mean, there's so many, I, I think the past few years we've had some really standout, video game movies and within within a year i would say i'm I'm not i have to check the math but we got a good pokemon movie Mm -hmm. and we got a good sonic movie and it's like hey there's a way to do this if you give this give these properties and these stories to people that like understand them and uh can really tell a, a grounded story within them like you can actually do this. Like Marvel is has been doing this for for forever, and you know, love or love or hate what they've done to the the scene, um, they sort of set the template for this kind of stuff, and and we're seeing that 
continued with these like properties that are just basically like printing money like Pokemon and even Sonic, which is bizarre to me considering that like the the main thing that inspired the series has now become like the least probably the least profitable part of that branding of like I'm sure the video games make less money than I don't know the merchandise they sell or whatever you with Sonic's face on it for like birthday parties Um, so like uh, yeah I don't know you have any other ideas so the only other thing I could think of uh, and this is my NGS one I think I want Oscar Isaac as Snake oh my god fuck me up bro I think I want Oscar Isaac as Snake and um, I didn't get too much further down because damn like those games stretch like 50 years snake in like 50 different like sort of like time periods so all the other characters age wildly but snake as oscar isaac i think that's i think that's who i want up front i remember seeing on instagram once uh shout out to ray my boy ray sent me like a like one of those people that will photoshop posters of like metal gear solid the movie yeah so they had you know they had the typical uh they had chris evans and christian bale and all these other people that like kind of looked okay but I think one of them was Oscar Isaac. And I was like, yo, I never even thought about that. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, that would be great. I also like, there's so many things that are prime for like Netflix series or spinoff um, Marvel style universe things. Like how the hell don't we have, I mean, there was rumors of a Mario movie being made, but like if you can make a Mario movie, that's very much like in the vein of, I mean, Sonic did it recently, but in the vein of like Lego, like the Lego movies mm-hmm. or um, something that's very like self-referential and, and like, you know, cheeky and, and breaks the fourth wall, depending on like how precious Nintendo is with that, uh, you know, that license, obviously. I think they've, <laughs> it's taken them like however many decades to get over what John Leguizamo and... I to say the answer is very. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they they definitely don't. But also like, can you imagine again what a Ghibli style Zelda movie could look like or what, um, I mean, there was that video that went viral a couple of years ago of like someone put together like different scenes from Zelda and made it like a Ghibli style feel yeah. to it. Oh God, there's so much potential in these licenses. And like, at, at some point you just gotta like wonder, like y'all gotta shoot your shot. Cause Marvel's just Marvel and star Wars and Disney. They're just going to keep gobbling up <laughs> all this money. And, uh, y'all are over here just like, I mean, even, you know, love it or hate, love or hate what DC does. Like I just recently watched Birds of Prey and had a really good time. And like, I don't fuck with DC movies like that. Like I I think the only ones I really liked are like Wonder Woman and um, that might actually, oh, I actually like Shazam. I thought Shazam was all right. Um, But that was like an example of like, oh, cool. Again, this is what you can do if you have people that actually give a fuck and can tell these really cool stories and utilize the medium in a really effective way. Hey, it's possible. Like, you could have a really good Mario movie. I think if you, if you believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Birds of Prey is not like my feeling it, but it, I think it ties into this, uh, to this question where like, one of the things that I loved most about Birds of Prey is that it did not try to set up some extended universe. It yep. introduced characters. They had a story. You understood what those characters were by the end of that story. It was like, a it was like an issue of a comic book at the end of it. Like you're done. And if I never see another birds of prey movie, that's fine because they did such a good job of just like distilling an entire plot in those characters in that one film. I think that's what video game movies need to do is not worry about like making a four film franchise um, or anything like that. Just like try to do the best you can in that one film. And cause I think people are like, 
at least I am just like really sick and tired of like franchise films coming off of Marvel and Star Wars and shit like that. I'm looking for those one-off films. Yeah, man. Even when I see like the news come out of like, you know, whatever Disney convention or whatever, where they're like, here's the timeline for the next fucking two decades. And you're like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want that. You know, like there's a part of me that that feels overwhelming where it's again, it starts to, (laughs) it starts to kind of feel like destiny where you're like, shit, I haven't seen you know, Thor, whatever the fuck. Uh-huh. Now I have to go into this movie not knowing who this bubbling character is. And, and Marvel tends to do a good job of like not necessarily requiring that stuff, but it also makes it way less of a more cohesive experience if you don't know who the fuck this guardian of the galaxy is or whatever. Or, or this like, one-ass guardian or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Or like who this Ant-Man spinoff character is. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you. I, I do kind of feel like it kind of leads into my feeling it, but um yeah i I 100 percent agree i think like we kind of need to like that's what i loved so much about shazam it was like it was um and i you know i I don't hold it in like my top five or whatever but i had a good time with it i thought it was a a fun sort of throwaway superhero movie that felt like superhero movies of of my youth of like oh these are a thing that you rent at blockbuster and you watch once and you talk about it and it's funny but like you know no one's gonna fucking make an extended universe of, of over steel uh starring yeah. Shaq and ray j like it, it it felt like that movie to me it felt like a a sort of saturday morning cartoon or something it felt like it didn't need to have to prop up an entire extended universe and i think when movies do that and they set the stakes low it doesn't have to be this world ending consequence i think mm-hmm. that's cool you know um and yeah. worth pursuing. And video games are in video games need to also understand that too. That's like a, vid- a very video game problem, especially totally. with like narratives where it's like you have to face the final boss. And oh, you thought you killed the final boss? Psych. It's fucking Ganondorf. <laughs> like, oh God. All right, here we go. Damn, it's always um, Ganondorf. <laughs> it always is, man. It's when you least expect it. Um, all right, cool. And our final question for the week, arguably the most important question, I will mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. of the year, comes from Jesse, uh, who asks, which member of the Karasuno or Kurasuno volleyball team are you? Do you want me to go first? Yes, please um, take it away. So yeah, so I think, uh, and so just setting it up here, I've only seen the first two seasons, so I know that there's a lot more to go. I need to catch up. Uh, I am uh, Koshi Sugarara, the mm. uh, the setter um, yep. who kind of takes a sideline uh, early on in this. Yeah, Suga, Suga-san, Suga-chan, um, depending on who, who you're talking about. But yeah, he takes like sort of a back seat, um, but stays supportive of the team throughout these early seasons. And I think I really support that because oftentimes when I'm in a team setting, whether that's like within my friends or like a like a professional project, like I'm never the person who steps up and like takes charge. I am much more comfortable in like the role of someone who's supporting everybody else, like very much involved, knows what's going on, but is there to like support everybody, catch those folks who are like getting down, uh, feeling the grind, maybe like, uh, you know, going through some shit and bring them right back up so that they can perform at their best. And so for Suga, that is definitely who they, uh, who he kind of becomes on this team as these newer players move in. And man, I feel that a hundred percent. Dude, that is such I, I can relate to that so much. Like when I'm in group settings, mm-hmm. I tend not to be like, I tend to not be the star or like have a lot of input, but I am super there to like for support. Even when I'm playing like, it sounds stupid, but even when I'm playing like a, a, a sort of multiplayer shooter, or when I'm playing Apex or Overwatch, I'm always like, all right, how can I help my other two teammates? Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to be the star. I don't want to be the star athlete getting all the dunks and the highlight footage. 
I want to be the dependable, like, I don't know, center or whatever. Like I want to be, uh, in Overwatch, for example, I'm always like a tank. I always need to like protect people and make sure that Same. they can get the kills and stay alive. Or like, yep. maybe I'll play healer or whatever. Like, that is me 100%. And I think that character in particular, and I think a lot of the characters over time learn. One of the beautiful lessons of the, of the series itself is like learning your place in the machine and learning how you can be effective, but also learning when to put your ego aside mm-hmm. and uh, do what's best for the team. And sometimes that just means sitting out and cheering them on and, and coming in when you have to like, you know, when you have to be uh, uh, to serve and like, if you don't get it, then all right, cool. Then you, you rotate out and you, you keep, you keep moving, you keep supporting where you can. But like um, for me, uh, my pick, my, my favorite, my boy, my beautiful uh-huh. boy is a uh, Tanaka, Ryu Tanaka. Mm-hmm. He's like the, Ooh. I've always have such a soft spot for the characters in a in like a manga or anime or whatever again the key to use of the world my one of my favorite anime uh animes that my partner put me onto a gto about like a uh an ex motorcycle gang leader who becomes a teacher and has to learn how to like impart those lessons he learned being a thug on the streets to like high school kid it's a wonderful anime if you have never seen it check it out and tanaka uh who has a, a bunch of like different little names like uh little nicknames one of my favorite is Buddha because he's like it's kind of like an <laughs> ironic nickname because he's like he's got a shaved head so I've got a I've got a soft spot for people with short hair or, or bald characters, um, but uh, he's like this. Uh, what's the what's the word? Uh, what's the word for like a um, like a character who used to be like a like a like a gang member? Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, what's the word for that? Just like just he used to be like. Yeah, delinquent. Yeah, former delinquent. Former delinquent. Yeah, yeah. So he, so my partner, thanks to the assist from my partner <laughs> in the room right now. Yeah, he's like a former delinquent. So he used to be like, you know, on the, on the, just an erratic character until he joined the team. And, and that's like one of the core pillars of a sports team story is like that kid who was like, you know, has it rough. And one of my favorite parts of like Friday Night Lights, for example, especially like the later seasons when Michael B. Jordan's introduced is like, the character who has to overcome a lot of that stuff and put that energy into their sport and like learn structure and discipline and patience and and camaraderie, teamwork, all that good stuff. So Tanaka for me is like, he embodies so much of that where like a part of me can relate to that. Not that I was like a gang member growing up, but I had, you know, I I grew up in some pretty rough areas and I've had friends who were in gangs and sold drugs and stuff like that. And I, I always chose the opposite path. I was like, I'm not built for that. I'm not built for jail and all that shit. <laughs> so I can relate to that. Or like a part of me sometimes, I was just talking about it with my partner, but like there's still so much of that like New Yorker attitude embedded in my bones that like sometimes people will uncover it and I get embarrassed when it comes out. Like if I'm walking in the street and someone says something nasty to my partner or like recently I was actually with Heather and someone like grabbed my arm and like squeezed it. It was like some weirdo person on the street. And like, you know, just like unfortunate that that stuff kind of happens. And uh, there's a whole, that's a whole nother road mm-hmm. we can go down. But I just sort of snapped and I like yelled at him and I like cursed in like a very New York accent. I even added a New York slang word in there. I was like, I said something like, don't touch me, B. Like something really like loud and like in his face. And he like let go and walked away. So like I can relate to that. Like I have to sort of take that negative energy and apply it to um, like a positive. I have to be creative about it. I have to be like, 
because you know it's, it's really easy to get down on like what people will tweet at you or what they'll comment in, in your YouTube comments or whatever. And you have to sort of utilize that energy because it's also like a fuel. It can also be a fuel to like, you know, propel you in a, in a more positive direction. I've never like felt the need to take down people or, or waste time arguing with the naysayers. I'd rather like link and build with the people that are like making stuff and building stuff. So all that to say, uh, Tanaka, like he he learns that over the course of the show. And it's like, it's so refreshing to see that lesson being imparted to people who are like, who can relate. And I relate to that so much. And then um, the short answer is I'm also very much uh, Hinata because I'm short and short kings, um, short kings rise up. And I think uh, his just general positive outlook, the way he, um, the way he can, t- again, turn a negative and turn it into a positive. Like I, I have these really cheesy sayings that I like to live live by and like one of them is like you know no losses only lessons no failure only feedback so like anytime i encounter a roadblock or or failure defeat like i know some folks in the in the discord were recently talking about like rejections and you know uh failures and and sort of setbacks i always like look at those things as like a time to reassess and like you know take stock of what you've learned and then apply that for the next at, at bat cuz like and the fact that we have like a central character who just embodies that uh, mentality is so inspiring for me in a lot of ways. Like it's so fun to see that attitude in a really fun, colorful, heartwarming tale. Like the way he sort of can look at a really bad situation and and make it seem fun and like, Oh cool. Like we're bad. Like we have room to grow. Like (laughs) there's something so wonderful about that kind of perspective. Yeah, for sure. Short answer, go watch Haikyuu. Tell us in the Discord who you think you are. Like, who do you, once you watch a few episodes, come on, let's rap about that sort of stuff. I want to see what you guys think you are. Yo, for real, please. I'm, I might even start a fucking anime channel at this point. It's, I think it's long overdue. We keep starting channels after every discussion we have, but it's kind of worth it. It's worth yeah, having real. all those channels. Um, all right, cool. Uh, jumping into feeling it. Uh, feeling it is where is the one part of the show where we take one thing that we absolutely love from the past week that we've stumbled across that we think is worth sharing. So um, since you're our guest, I'll let you go first. Yes, cool. I've got two that I want to talk about. The first is a book. Um, I've been reading it for a little bit. Um, so one, just off the bat, shout outs to local libraries. Use your local libraries. Um, oh, word. Uh, so I've, I rented this book a, cu- a few months ago from the library, read a little bit of it, and uh, unfortunately got busy, so I had to take it back. Luckily, I can just go and pick it up again, keep oh, reading yeah. it. Um, but yeah, it's a book called uh, A Memory Called Empire by uh, Arcady Martin. And one of the cool things about uh, the author, Arcady Martin, is that she used to be a city planner. Uh, before Ooh. she became a science fiction author. And so the, there's a lot of that sort of like love of cities and architecture and stuff in this book. But why I love this book, and I'm not quite finished with it yet, but I have no qualms of recommending it. It is a science fiction book that's all about this this ambassador from a sort of like a, a station um, civilization. They live on like a space station. They don't have a planet, so they're spacers. Um and she's an ambassador to the sort of like imperial power that owns most of the galaxy called the Texcalani. Um, and the Texcalani are really interesting because they're sort of like what like sort of like I what I think neoliberalism, neoliberalism taken to its like um, practical endpoint would be in space where they love art. They love culture. They're all about like artistic expression. They do poetry contests in the street, like all of their like uh, historical like 
uh, epics are like based in like these like super uh, complicated like um, poetic forms. So and they're all about like uh, embracing cultures insofar as they are vassals of the imperial state. And so hmm. this um, this ambassador comes to uh, Texcalani, uh, comes to the, the 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 Earth City as it's called, and uh, to be this ambassador because the ambassador before her was murdered. So one, she has grown up always wanting to be a part of this culture, but two, now she has to like find out what happened to her predecessor. And a cool wrinkle in this is that the the secret that her her culture has is they implant this technology in them that let that takes a snapshot of a person basically like an ai and implants it into their brain and they sort of enmesh so now she has all the feelings and the memories and all the connections of her past person with her that are sort of guiding her as she goes into this culture whoa yeah except and this isn't spoilers this happens very early on it fucks up and so like where once she had this person kind of like telling her what's going on all of a sudden they're gone and she's just moored out in this culture that she has no idea how to really act in, except from what she's read in books. And this is what I really love the most about this book is it, it has a lot of allegories for like someone coming into a culture, like a hegemonic culture, and not knowing how to act. And so they pick up doublespeak. They sort of like, mm. they, they pick up on these like uh, language ticks so that they can belong. They take what's real about them and their culture and push it to the back. A lot of culture, a lot of the people yeah. in these books like refer to her lovingly as a barbarian. It's like, oh, this is the barbarian from the culture. Like, don't worry about it. She's, she's learning. And she sort of has to just smile through it. She's one of the good ones. She's one of the good ones, right? Yeah. Like that's why she was made ambassador. And this, this character's inner struggle is like wanting to belong, wanting to experience this culture because that's what empire does to you it makes you want to be a part of this right but at the same time she is like bristling at this fact that they everything that she loves about her home they view as like this sort of like quaint patronizing like barbarism and it it is so interesting to read about uh this set in space and i think they do a really good job the author does a really good job of like codifying this in a lot of like science fiction language um and i think it's a really good read so i would recommend picking it up if you're looking for a science fiction read it's new ish i think it came out in 2018 uh it's gonna be part of a series or at least a trilogy so you can look forward to more books but i'm really loving it right now especially i think if you're someone who has uh any sort of experience like being from another world another culture and then trying to like change who you are so that you can fit in around other people um this will probably speak to you a lot Oh yeah. I mean that, that is a thing that, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious about this one. Cause like I, ha- I tend to have a hard time getting into sci-fi stuff just off the fact that like, you know, a lot of it, I get lost in the jargon or like the weird sort of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, pronouns or whatever that they decide to throw in there or, or whatever. But, um, this sounds interesting. This sounds like, uh, something that I can certainly relate to. I know that there are times where, um, you know, I've been in situations like that where I've had bosses or even uh, colleagues that I respected refer to me in a way that I wasn't expecting and like mm. sort of making me the, the the butt of the joke or, um, you know, having to switch up. There's like the whole, you know, uh, concept of having to code switch and stuff like that constantly, especially if you're from a, from a specific type of background and stuff. So like this sounds like <laughs> super up my alley. So th- this is really cool. Also, I, w- I wanted to mention, um, do you, do you use uh, Libby? Uh, I don't. My partner does. We use oh, she, so she uses that because she she loves reading um, uh, both like digitally and also listening to audiobooks. So she uses Libby a lot. Yeah, Libby's great. It's uh for those who don't know, it's just like an app that if you have a library card, if which you should, mm-hmm. um, you can basically 
uh, sign up with your library card to a local library and um, just take out audiobooks or, or eBooks and read them on your phone or your Kindle, or whatever. And it, like, you you obviously have to like return them after a certain time, like a library, <laughs> like a real library. Uh-huh. And uh, but it's just a really cool way if you like, you know, maybe the library is a little too out of your way or you know whatever. It's but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, so I that's my first one. The second one I have again because I don't know when I'll be back. Got to get my hits in. <laughs> um, Vultures Vulture recently put out a list of the top 100 emo songs ever of all time, and uh, this was really interesting for me because um, listen, as growing up as a white boy in North Texas, emo was the first sort of like music that I personally felt like an attachment to i grew up in a house that listened to country so country was always sort of the background music but it never felt like something i wanted to enjoy it was Mm -hmm. just a part of growing up and so as a whenever i got up into junior high and high school which was during this sort of like last wave of emo as they talk about in the article your fallout boys and your uh panic at the disco um Mm -hmm. the used and all that sort of stuff my chemical romances my chemical romance oh my god dude i had a jacket i had a uh, black two black hoodies that i wore all of my sophomore and junior year one of them was for the use the other was my chemical romance and i just switched even in fucking texas summers i would wear those hoodies. <laughs> that's that's how it was i had the armbands and everything hot topic holy shit wow me in there yo post a pic day. man pixar didn't happen bro i think i got him i'll look for that I can, yeah I'm, i'll post just it crop your face up bro just crop your face up um so so yeah so this article really uh allowed me to like dig into a lot of the sort of like history of emo starting back in like the the 80s the mid 80s in washington dc um on the east coast and as well as on the west coast like a lot of musical genres they started in those uh on one of the coasts but also going through these like sort of like the diy sort of like house music states where it was just in like excuse me, just in like uh, garages or VFWs, wherever you could get a venue for free, stuff like that. And as it became popular, and it was really interesting to read through this and take a history and attach it to my feelings on this genre. Because for better or worse, as a teenager, we're just sort of like hormonal feeling machines. And so emo music allowed (laughs) me to like express feelings that I had no idea what they were. And I honestly... Uh, did not have the experiences to like on to really fully understand them the way I do now. But it was mm-hmm. that first time where I could start to build up a sort of like emotional blueprint for how to how to express myself in all those weird, messy ways that you do whenever you're a teenager. And emo music gave me some of that, uh, some of the some of the ability to do that. And so I I feel a good connection with this more than probably any other genre of music. Uh, and so I would recommend reading through this article, even if you have a passing interest, uh, especially because I don't read a lot of music journalism, but this article has also convinced me to start reading a lot of more music journalism. That mm. shit is good. This article is good and I really need to get more into it. Um, they go through it. So they go through all the, like the stage from like, um, American football and Captain Jazz all the way up through like Jimmy world, um, uh, to fallout boy and like dashboard confessional the whole stuff and then they ended off with a list of the hundred greatest songs and i think the list does a good job of like saying up front like listen this is not going to be perfect this is not sure. going to be a list that you agree with but we're doing the best we can and they also like do what i think is a good thing they leave out brand new which is a band that has like a lot of other uh uh, people like uh, R. Kelly and a lot of other artists are being expunged mm. from the public record for like their history and the sort of heinous shit they've done to a lot of people. Uh, so they, they're very upfront about like even the dark spots on the history. So I would recommend if you have any attachment to emo music at all, whether you're a fan, whether you hate it, 
it is worth going through reading this article and checking out some of the songs. This is fascinating to me, and I'm absolutely going to read this because, um, you know, for me, as a kid who grew up in Queens and then spent his teen years out in Long Island, I like just sort of absorbed whatever bubbled or fizzled up to the top because, mm-hmm. like, I don't have the, I, like, for example, the number one song, um, which I won't give away, but I, I didn't even know, I don't know who that band is. So for me, this is also going to be like a really cool way to, um, dive into a genre of music that I was very familiar with, but I only knew like the hits, you know what I'm saying? So it's like whenever it's, it's why like I find so what I find so fascinating. Cause like growing up as a teenager, you're absolutely right. Like there, there was, you know, there's this moment in time where you have all of these emotions, you know, because of a, tw- a you know, however many different outside factors, but most of them are obviously like from within like very yeah. hormonal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no real way to externalize it or to, to find something that will, um, that just gets you in, in that way. And emo music at the time, especially like in my teen years, like I was bumping that shit too. I was bumping, you know, taking back Sunday and, and, um, a, a lot of these other bands that like are on this list that like, uh, but a lot of them were the, the ones that were like the most popular. Like I, there were, it was very rare that I would be put onto a band that like hadn't blown up yet. And then when they yeah. would blow up, it was like, they were just on the cusp of blowing up. And that's how I feel about like, um, what I find interesting now, and we've talked about this before, like when we played like Destiny and stuff, is like seeing the new wave of kids growing up now who grew up on this stuff, mm-hmm. but they grew up on like the 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 stew of like everything. So like that's what makes the little Uzi Verts of the world so fascinating to me is because like, you know, there's a very weird crossover. It's not weird, but it's a very fascinating crossover that happens with like, you know, black and brown communities. And then like um, you know, uh I'll I'll just straight up say it like like white folks out there and there's like a very there's a some overlap that happens every once in a while when that Venn diagram those sort of like three circles and for whatever reason smack dab in the middle of that thing that we all sort of like together for whatever reasons we we like them for obviously like very different reasons Paramore is right there yeah, standing man. tall uh-huh. and it's like yo I will go to war for Paramore and like. I loved Paramore growing up as a teenager and I like I still fucking I have no shame about admitting that stuff but I also have like a little bit of shame about admitting that like when I was 13 or 15 actually not not really so much anymore I don't give a fuck but like I was bumping Lincoln Park heavy and like yeah. you know some of the more cringier stuff than that um but yeah you're right like th- there's uh there's a specific moment where that thing happened and it's it's very rare that we get to like step back and look at it and I think it's just also a matter of the of us the generation that is super online and we saw that transition happen and like now we're sort of looking back on these things that we that are so much a part of us that it's like it's interesting to just like read about it and like even just reading like the opening paragraphs of these of this article is like holy shit i can't wait to read the rest of this uh this this sounds so fascinating yeah and they even get into like the sort of like what they call the emo rappers the little peeps and juice worlds of the of the world the sort of like soundcloud rappers that took that feeling stuff yeah. Like, like make music just to feel shit, you know, that was like their, their main motivation. And like, that's sort of like the spiritual successors, uh, of like the emo phase, like from the nineties and two thousands. Yeah, man. Like all my friends are dead. That could just, that could be a fucking lyric from any emo song. Like mm-hmm. it's yeah. And like, man, I have shout out to my, to my homegirl, Kendra, who I, who I grew up with in high school. She was always putting me on to stuff. Cause she was like very into that stuff. She had an iPod nano or whatever it was called, like mini 
full of that stuff. And she would always be like, yo, have you heard of, you know, this band or that? And I'm like, no. And she would put me on, but I was also like, you know, venturing every once in a while into like screamo and then like all these other subgenres and like, mm-hmm. man, what a, what a time to be alive in like that, in that era of like when MP3s just started taking off and like, you know, man, just, just a really cool, interesting time. And I, I cannot wait to read this article. This sounds really cool. So it's a Vulture article um, called again real quick i'm just i just like closed my tab accidentally vultures top 100 emo songs so check that out that sounds dope yeah and they don't have a the one bad thing about this article is they don't link to like a soundcloud playlist uh but if you just google like best vulture top emo songs playlist uh or you want to hit me up in the discord i can get you a link to that nice dope dope we should actually just just throw that into uh the music channel it sounds like yeah cool for sure um, all right, cool. Mine is nowhere near as cool as that. Although I would argue in some ways, also uh, a thing from my childhood or youth that has yeah. come around and surprised the hell out of me. Um, my, my pick for the week is Sonic the Hedgehog, the actual movie. I was like, I was not excited about uh, hearing about it was in production. And then when I saw the trailer, I was even less excited about it because they used a weird choice for the trailer song but also obviously the way they had originally designed sonic was like this horrible possum looking monstrosity kind of a disaster all around right oh horrible horrible all around and like did not spark a lot of you know hope for me as someone who loved sonic as a child like i grew up with sonic um i was very much a sega kid as as a kid and like i still am in a lot of ways like I, i hold that you know, that piece of my childhood so close and so near and dear to me. And when I heard about Sonic, I, my sort of instant reaction was like, Oh, this is going to be horrible. Like, just keep your hopes down. It's, it's not going to be good. Especially when it was like the buddy cop movie. And like, even the fact that Jim Carrey was in it, I was like, Oh, this sounds horrible. This sounds like such a bad time all around. Then reviews started coming out sort of like reception around it started like buzzing and like of course they had the the introduction with the new uh, redesign in the trailer and i was like okay it looks a lot better it looks like the sonic that i know not this weird po- again possum looking thing with human teeth yeah. so you know i i can't lie i was getting excited about it i tried to like keep it down and like try not to vocalize it too much because i didn't i tend to like i'm getting better at that of not being like yo i can't wait i'm there day one i mean unless it's like Yakuza or something, then I'll probably freak out. Or Tetris, anything Tetris related. Fast um, Nine. What's up? Fast Nine. Oh, Fast Nine. I'm there, midnight. I don't care if it's horrible. <laughs> I will fist fight you shirtless outside the theater. I cannot wait. Um, but Sonic the Hedgehog, I was getting excited about. And then so I like got tickets for us this weekend. I waited a week to like let the buzz die down. And it was funny because like we went in there and there was like a lot of kids in the theater. And normally I'm like, y'all kids need to shut the fuck up. I'm, I paid like... <laughs> I paid for me and my damn girl to be here today. Like we're, we're going to watch this movie, but this time I did not mind one bit. I was like there anytime they would shout at the screen or they'd be like, Oh, like he's doing this or that from the games that it kind of felt like they were my internalized voices. And that's how, that's what I was thinking in my head was like their same pitch and everything was like my inner child was like beaming because first of all, this movie is absolutely wonderful. It comes with the huge, caveat that like i think you need to be a sonic fan i think you like kind of yeah. uh it helps i don't think it, i don't think you need to be but it certainly helps a lot it, it makes you enjoy the experience a lot more um but the way in which they have figured out a way to make 
Sonic. Um, first of all, they gave him like this whole, and this is this also might be a part. I remember watching the cartoons as a kid. I don't remember a damn thing from the cartoons. I remember maybe once or twice as a kid reading a comic book. I do not remember any of that stuff. So a lot of this stuff might have also been in the games that I did not play because for a long time now, Sonic has been pretty horrible with the exception of like Sonic Mania and a couple of other games. Um, but they, the way they like give him an interesting backstory and the way they uh, manage to justify the existence of these video game mechanics that become plot devices is fantastic the way they um the, the, first of all ben isn't it ben schwartz i think is yeah, his ben name schwartz. yeah he knocks it out of the park jim carrey is like on 11 the entire time and it's so much fun to see him as dr robotnik uh even james marsden or, or not james mars that's fucking uh <laughs> fucking red dead movie. it's a whole different movie what's his name james some shit right oh, it is man. james marsden oh wow it is james marsden Oops. Um, Sorry, James. <laughs> John Marsden is from. Yeah. My, <laughs> my partner knows that very well. She plays. She's played over like a hundred hours of Red Dead. Um, yeah, no. So uh, even he did a really good job of like kind of knowing his lane, and and it's it's a very wholesome movie with a with a kind of twisted sense of humor that like. So for those who don't know, Sonic the Hedgehog is a franchise from the early '90s, maybe even late '80s. Um, that's been around for forever. It started off as a Sonic game, sort of the response or the reaction to Mario. And, you know, definitely gave Mario a run for his money at one point and like almost toppled Nintendo. So um, he has this sort of vibe of um, embedded in his creation of being this like alternative mascot, like the the one who was like tapping his toe when you didn't move him for too long because he was like, come on, let's play. Or like he would like wag his finger at you. And like, he had a lot of attitude. It was very like nineties um, aesthetic and he looked cool. He was blue. He went really fast. Um, and the movie really leans into that kind of stuff. So there, there's a lot of times where the movie, whether it's Sonic or other characters, um, they break the, they don't break the fourth wall, but it's very like self-aware. And it's also aware of the time that it exists in. There's like, there's Amazon jokes, like Amazon, the company jokes, there are jokes about like um, a, a ton of different things. There's even shots at other video games and like companies. And like, it's, it's a movie that kind of feels a lot like, uh, like it, it's very perfect for the time. It, it, it reminded me a lot of birds of prey where even birds of prey goes out of its way to be like, there's a, there's a Bernie Sanders reference in there. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of different things that sort of ground it and make it feel like it's a part of the world we live in now, which is like funny to think about. But like if tomorrow th there was a story that came out that like, they found a alien blue hedgehog and he's really fast. And uh, I would be like, oh yeah, that's totally fine. It's 2020. I'm, nothing can surprise me anymore. Like we're, you know, the way things are going, I would be totally fine with that reality. Um, but the way, again, that like the movie starts off, it does not like light spoilers for the beginning of Sonic. Maybe skip ahead two minutes if you don't want to hear this, but the, uh, the movie sort of sets him, it, it, like brings him into our world. So he has, there are other dimensions and worlds. And he winds up coming into our world and he just basically makes a little home for himself. He's on his own. So he's got to like fend for himself. And that's kind of the point. He has to like live in hiding. And as a result, he just like kind of scavenges. He like gets pe people's garbage. He he um, will like steal stuff <laughs> straight up. And um, he so he grows up on like comics and, and movies and like pop culture. So it's it's a really genius way to embed him into the zeitgeist if you will so he like will make a commentary on like a 
pop culture reference that you were not expecting him to. And it's not like Terminator where you're having to explain to him like what a fucking smile is or whatever. Um, he's very well aware and, and like he's very hip to stuff. And there's like a really great heartwarming story around like him finding a home and, and feeling acceptance. And on the other side of that, which I wasn't expecting but based off of like any of the press junket interviews, if you watch with Jim Carrey, which I recommend to anybody right now, like go on YouTube, watch those things after you listen to the show. Um, he's like, Jim Carrey has always been on one, but especially as of late, he's been like the, I'm going to just paint in my studio. I'm going to talk shit about like, you know, politicians and billionaires and I'm going to just do my own thing. Cause like, fuck it. And I think he's now finding the balance of like, I can do both. So in the movie and even in the press junkets, he's like talking shit about clearly talking shit about like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and shit. Like he's talking about how those characters inspired his Robotnik. And um, while he's playing this over the top psychotic egomaniac, five there PhDs, are five PhDs, right? Exactly. He's like a member of the government and like, you know, he does these really sketchy things. Like there's like, there's weird there's, it, it goes places in this movie that I wasn't expecting, but I was like, I was damn near applauding in the theater by myself. Like this movie's just had me smiling from ear to ear. Um, but yeah, he's you, so you can sense him really leaning into that and hamming it up and like sort of taking real big swings at these people that we idolize and 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 things that we we idolize and um, cherish and value. And uh, man, I was not expecting that from Sonic the Hedgehog, like the movie. And um, I walked out like thrilled and, and they're, they're very clearly setting up a, you know, Sega cinematic universe, but it's a, for, for like the first go at this sort of thing, I'm extremely hopeful for it. And like, I would love to watch this movie again. I encourage you, if you, if you love Sonic, if you have any sort of relationship or attachment to Sonic, check it out. Um but yeah, the action was really, really well shot and choreographed. And there's some really cool, um, like if you've seen any of those X-Men movies where, what's his name, Quicksilver, where like the, the kid who like can run really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I forget. Is it Quicksilver? I think it is. Yeah. There's like two different ones because of the weird Fox yeah. split. But yeah, I believe it's Quicksilver. Yeah, so like th those sequences where like time sort of slows down to like almost a halt and like he's running around jumping off things, like it's that's all throughout the Sonic movie. So like there are times where it, it dips into that uh, world and you get to see him just play and, and go. And there's a reason for him to always have to be, uh, or for him to always have to run and, and you know, gotta go fast. Like this, they actually even justify that sort of thing. So it's, um, it just, it, it completely blew me away. Uh, I was not expecting to love this movie as much as I did. And I'm actually glad that I did. I'm like really hopeful. And like I said before, I'm just like, I'm amazed that we have a good Pokemon movie. We have a good uh, Sonic movie. Cause like when, when I first heard live action Pokemon movie and especially live action Sonic movie, I was like, mm, I don't know mm -hmm. about that, man. That sounds, that sounds super sus. I don't know if I want to watch that. And um, Hollywood is also still, figuring that shit out because they had that weird ass Harrison Ford movie where like oh, a guy's in a mocap oh, suit. Fuck, yeah. Oh, so weird. It's like so unnecessary. Don't do that. Just like do whatever you got to do to make those conditions better. But like get a real fuck, get Airbud in there, man. What the hell yeah. are you doing? Like anyway, um, it, it, it was great. It was wonderful. And like, I think um, 
surprisingly enough, I think the kids movies, like movies that were designed to, to, or created with the, with the sole intention of like getting kids to watch these movies and like get their parents to pay for four fucking tickets. Um, (laughs) is it, it's obviously a great idea, but it's also like where you'll find some of the most heartfelt, like pure, almost like Haikyuu style, um, Aesop fables where you're like, wow, like what a good way, like good prevailed and like evil, you know, definitely doesn't stand a chance if we fight together and we stand up for what's right. And sometimes I kind of need that. This is, which is why I watch Haikyuu a lot. And I, I tend to gravitate towards that, those styles of, of stories, but, and Sonic the Hedgehog, I was not expecting to walk out of the theater, like damn near in tears and like pumped at the after credit stinger. Definitely stay at, well, it's not after the credits, but it's like after the first batch of credits. Um, I think, I think movie studios are now realizing that like, People don't want to fucking wait five minutes for a, you know, 22nd Samuel L. Jackson cameo. Uh-huh. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, there Samuel is. Jackson's in Sonic? Yep, that's it. That's, that's the big reveal. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, no, so I'm excited, man. I, I think there's a lot of different ways in which they can mine those old school Sega franchises. And like, fuck it, man. I, I'm I'm down. I mean, again, not to stand companies, but uh, I love Sonic, man. And, and uh, it's nice to see a good Sonic product out there. That's not like, Oh God, why, why, why did they keep trying with this struggling series? But uh, yeah, man, Sonic the Hedgehog. I can't recommend it enough. It's a, it's a good time. Damn. I'm going to go, I'm going to get some tickets now. I really want to go see this. You've sold me. It's so good, man. It's so, I, I don't even think you really need to, 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 again, I think it helps if you love Sonic already, but I think the movie does a good job of explaining who the hell he is. You get to see baby Sonic, which is so fucking adorable. Um, you get to see his backstory. They don't really go into all the details and the 20 million different characters just yet. Um, so it feels like a really great origin story in, in the way that like, you know, any of these great origin stories feel like Iron Man or whatever, where you're like, oh, cool. I don't have to have, I don't have to have this knowledge of, 40 years of Marvel comics, I can just pick up here and, and be okay, which is also why I low-key like The Witcher. But anyway, um, cool. That I think that about does it for this week's episode. Uh, before we wrap up the show, though, um, thank you so much again, Chase, for being on the show. Seriously, I, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, of course. Always a good time when we link up. But uh, before I let you go, how can the people find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. That's where I spend most of my time online. Uh, I'm at Chase Wrights, W-R-I-T-E-S. And you can find me pretty much anywhere else. I'm sometimes on Instagram posting uh, stories and photos of my cats. Uh, That's going to be at uh, Syntactician, S-Y-N-T-A-C-T-I-C-I-A-N. I've never had to spell that out. So (laughs) I hope you got it. Um, But yeah, that's where I am. Twitter is where you can find most of the time when I post like my work, any freelance stuff I do, you can pick it up there. Nice, nice. I'll I'll throw your Twitter in the uh, show notes so people can follow you on there. Beautiful. Um, yeah, cool. And, and I'm uh, I'm at Pauli Mayo, P-O-L-I-M as in Mario, A-Y-O. Uh, find me on Twitter, Instagram. Shoot me a follow. Oh, yeah, follow me on Twitch. I've been streaming more now. I think I might do it twice a week now if, uh, if I can manage it. Do Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. Weird-ass schedule, but that's what works for me. All right, people. Yeah, sorry, Witcher Wednesdays. You had a, you, you tried, but, you know, valiant effort. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and then obviously uh, hit me up and, and follow me on all my all my shit at Katago because I, I you know I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing next. And Animal Crossing is right there on the horizon, if you will. Um, 
All right, cool. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions or comments, send them over to questions at d-optional.com. We would love to hear from you. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, Spotify. If you could take a minute to rate and review the show on iTunes, that really, really helps us out. Five stars, five words, minimum, please. Uh, and if you like the show, want to help keep it going, check out our profile on Anchor at anchor.fm slash the optional podcast, where you can find the show, help us keep these lights on. You can even donate as low as a dollar a month, which we... I'm just, I don't understand why people do it, but I, you know, I appreciate the love. I appreciate the support. It really does help us out. Like we're getting new equipment. We're doing now, we can do calls now. This is a really cool thing we can do apparently. Um, and our homepage is theoptionalpodcast.com. That's where you can find the show, share it with your friends. We're on Twitter as well at the optional NYC. And our show's music is by the one and only Levi Pack. You can find him on Twitter at underscore L-E-V-I-P-A-C-K. So until next time, everyone, peace. I'll come back now, you hear? The Optional Podcast, hosted by Paul Tamayo and Cam Brewster. Video game commentary for the rest of us. <laughs>